You're listening to the Multifamily Women Podcast with Carrie Antrim, where we extract the knowledge from executive women in leadership and inspire emerging leaders with our thought leadership platform, offering a new model for personal and professional transformation. Multifamily Leadership is an events, news, and media platform. It's where multifamily innovation, technology, investments, and leaders converge. As part of our Multifamily Women's Summit, we share time with innovative brands as part of our Meet the Sponsors series that showcases those brands that are supporting the platform to advance not only technology and innovation, but the women who are making all of that possible. Hi there, and welcome to the Multifamily Women podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Antrim, and today I'm joined by Mark Weaver, Director of Strategic Operations at Cable Contract Negotiation Group, CCNG for short. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Tell us about the CCNG journey. Well, I started off in property management back literally at five years old. I was shaking hands with my dad's investors in his real estate brokerage in Boise, way back in the old days, so to speak. So I grew up really doing deals and working on investor side stuff. End up getting my bachelor's and MBA with a whole focus of doing my own thing. So I didn't really ever plan on going to work for anybody. But as it is, I started working with real estate investors for about 10 years of focusing on what the investors need and how to package everything together for the investors' bottom line. Then I got recruited by one of the largest cable providers to deal with their multifamily buildings. So I did that. That took me kind of a journey through the organizational world of corporate America. And I must admit, I don't particularly care for it. I don't like politics. I just like being effective. So didn't go over real well. When I left, I was at the top of my game and really decided that the only way I was going to continue there was to agree to do things that I just didn't want to do. I wasn't comfortable doing. So I left that and that really led to where we're at now, which is a world where we get to pretty much unveil the secrets behind what the cable providers and telecom providers do to multifamily building owners. So since I was on their side, now I get to come back and say, okay, Everyone has been really good on the telecom side of hiding what the real details are, the strategies that will actually change the end deal points and how to actually make life better for all the residents and more value for the building. So why would I not come help my old team? (laughs) So that's where we're at today. We've spent the last, I guess, since 2016, we've been working on behalf of owners. We work on a lot of senior housing operators with their bulk because generally they've got bulk video service for the residents. So we're in the middle of doing a number of those right now. And then we're also dealing with a lot of owners that have got the exclusive marketing agreements, which the FCC made a ruling on in February that absolutely changed a lot of the net effects for owners. It really did not help. It was not a gift to owners at all. So we're spending a lot of our time right now just revisiting those and trying to renegotiate a lot of that stuff so that the owners are in a much stronger position, not only for themselves, but also so that their brand with their buildings does not become sabotaged by what the FCC now says providers have to tell their residents. So it's been quite the journey and we just, we absolutely love it. I love being able to get into the pockets of the big telecoms. Maybe I'm a little warped that way, but I really like taking their money for clients. 
<laughs> That's funny. So tell me exactly what that looks like when you're in those meetings with prospective clients. What does it look like to work with you and what are you doing? And is this even on their radars yet or are you having to educate? Typically, this is something that most owners don't understand even exists. Right now, we've got clients from one building all the way to 300 plus buildings. And as a general rule, when we talk with them, they will say, no, we don't have agreements with any of those people. You know, well, yes, actually you do, because most of the local jurisdictions, most of the FCC regulations all require that they have to have an agreement that explains what is going on with the wiring, what's going on with the marketing rights, what's going on when a contractor backs into the wall and makes a hole, who's responsible for it, right? So there's agreements that are in place. And oftentimes a developer will do it on the front end and then the owners never see it once they buy the building there. But the owners frequently have no idea they even exist until they start getting phone calls from Comcast, Spectrum, AT&T, you know, Cox, whoever that says, hi, we need to redo this agreement. And generally the owners are saying, what are you talking about? We don't have an agreement with you. Leave us alone. Either give service or don't. So there's a whole lot of underlying that is generally part of our education process so that everyone understands the decision makers at the C-level of the companies really understand what is actually going on in the background and how the telecoms are actively making money on their buildings with their residents and what that relationship looks and how that can negatively affect the ownership and their value because tenants will oftentimes say, I'm not going to be in this building because I can't get good enough service. So there's a huge education process that we work through. Generally, our first conversations, we don't normally have any obligations to clients for two weeks to two months while we're really investigating their situation. And then we can come back and actually say, here's what we've found. No charge for this. Here's what we're dealing with. If you want us to help you, this is what we charge and this is what we do. So we do a lot of front end stuff because honestly, no one really understands what the situation is. How do you go try to charge somebody something when nobody knows what the result will be? So we go through a lot of that. And then when we identify, okay, we can generate this kind of income for you. We can make these changes. This is what we recommend. Then it either makes sense to hire us or not. So we have a, a referral who contacted us and we talked for probably an hour and a half yesterday, went through a lot of the deals he's doing with one of the big cable providers. And the reality is it didn't make any sense for them to hire us. They were in good shape. So I was able to give them a couple of details and a couple of things to think about. And like, man, if you need some help, give us a call. Just ask and we'll, talking's free. So that's easy. You're spending time in these meetings and you're talking with people all over the country, I'm sure. What's the feedback you're getting from your happy customers? One of the underlying conversations going on is how do we create more income for our building? And oftentimes these owners have gotten something from the telecom providers and they look and say, hey, that's bonus. Great. Like revenue share. We've been getting a $300 check every quarter. It's not enough to matter but it's something, okay, can we change that a bit? So oftentimes we're brought in to have those conversations. How can we think through what you have, who all's there, and how can we maximize those revenues to make it more valuable? However, 
it is very popular in this industry right now for everyone to come and say, managed Wi-Fi is the solution that solves everything. You can make money on it. There's some other ramifications to that are negative and no one ever talks about the negative. So we spend a lot of our time lately with our clients saying, explain what this means. What is the net ramification here? And then if it turns out that really the owner and the property profile of the portfolio says, we want to do it this way because of X, Y, and Z, we're going to hold it for only three years. We're going to do something like this. Then it may make sense to do something like a managed Wi-Fi, but it is not the panacea gift from God that everyone tends to act like it is that comes from almost every sales channel right now. Yesterday, I was on the phone with three different providers, two big national names everyone would know and one smaller one. Every one of them spent 10 to 15 minutes telling us managed Wi-Fi is the only way to go. You can make so much more money that way. Like there is money to be made that way. Yes. However, the problems are also very bad for the future. So there's some risks there. And that's what a lot of work we've been doing lately is helping to really help strategize with the owners and say, what does it really look like? What is your actual net result going to be? And let's get it right. Because we really look at our role as being an advisor, a consultant. Yes, we generally get paid when we get money for the owner. We take a percentage, just like a regular kind of real estate commission. But that being said, a big part of getting it right is the strategy. We got to get the strategy right. So if it turns out there's no income to be made and have the right strategy, okay, then we look at it and say, maybe there's some other ways if you want our continued help or what else can we do to help? But it's really an individual basis based on what the strategy is. And helping clarify that strategy has been a really big component of every client we deal with. So it's definitely the strategy game conversation as opposed to, hi, we don't really care who you are. Just do this for us and then leave. That's not our relationships. Are you finding that you're getting calls preemptively or are you getting calls like this has come up? The cable company is saying this, we need help. Typically, we have not historically gotten a lot of phone calls from clients. Because inevitably, they look at their properties, they get a phone call from, call it Spectrum, on one property, and they've got 20. And they say, they just need to get this signed. And they just take it, sign it, move on, because it's really not something that's generating, from their perspective, enough return to justify their time. And so as long as everyone treats it that way, That's exactly what's going to happen. It will not generate return and it will recreate negative ramifications in the future. So a lot of what we do is education so that when they start getting these phone calls, they call us up and go, hey, we got this message. We know we should be talking to somebody. What should we do here? So especially now with the FCC change that happened on February 15th, we're getting absolutely overwhelmed with contacts now with people saying, hey, we've got this problem, what do we need to do? And once they recognize that we've been signing all of these agreements, just because they put it in front of us, which is absolutely the tactic that all the telecoms want to do. They don't want to engage in a conversation. They don't want anyone to challenge it. They don't want to negotiate on it. It doesn't benefit them. Once the owners understand that, then they start coming back and saying, okay, let's really talk about what this looks like. Does that make sense? 
When you're in these talks, you're actually looking over the contract, the paperwork, or you're getting into the nitty gritty. Is that how it works? Absolutely. Now we're not attorneys. I even don't play one on TV. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) I know. Right. However, I have been in the real estate industry for 25 years. I have taught realtors and brokers in three different states how to function in real estate law as a broker. So I'm not crossing any legal lines. And because I was working on the side of the telecoms for so long, I actually have a pretty significant understanding of the way the contracts work. Generally, what ends up happening is I end up helping set things up with the contracts. I make sure the telecoms put language in, but I don't tell them what language to do. I'm not writing language. When I say telecoms, I mean cable providers and also internet. I'm putting them all together because they all have their little genre, but really it's all the same net result to the resident. So one of the big things is write a first refusal for the bulk. A lot of the providers, if you sign the agreement with them, there will be a clause in their agreements that say you cannot go get bulk from another provider, period, full stop. Well, managed Wi-Fi is considered bulk. So a lot of these buildings that are looking at managed Wi-Fi right now don't even understand that their existing agreements that they don't even know how to get a copy of has a prohibition that prevents them from doing that. The managed Wi-Fi companies are not explaining that and they're not going to help them understand that because they don't want anything to slow them down. So it's this really interesting back and forth. What we're doing with all of our clients is we're trying to set up so we have a right of first refusal as a standard language in all of our agreements. That way, if we have a, a owner that's got AT&T, Spectrum, and Comcast all in the same building, if all of those have right of first refusal for bulk internet, for instance, now if the building owner decides to change gears three years from now, five years from now, when it makes more sense, instead of just being a flat no, you can't do anything for five years, we now have the option to come in and say, Great. Let's actually reach out to Comcast Spectrum and AT&T, get a quote from each of them, and then pick someone else that may be a better option. That's maybe an ISP that has a less overhead, can be a little leaner in their operations, better rates. Let's go bring something from them. And then at least we've gone through the process. Now, they're often complicated. They're painful. But at least there's a method. There's a path to get there where we can now put these services in without being in violation of all the other agreements. So that's frequently what we'll do is we'll make sure that right of first refusal is there because we know they've all got them in place. I don't need to tell them what language it is. I don't need to create it. Then if the owners say, you know, we really want our attorney to look at this, great, we'll work with the attorney and explain to them why some of these things matter. One client had a number of properties in Oregon and They wanted to have an attorney look at the agreements before they signed it. No problem. I told them, if you have your regular real estate attorney look at it, they don't understand telecom law, probably. Not casting stones on any attorney. That's general. I go to a heart surgeon for heart surgery. I don't go to a brain surgeon, right? But (laughs) making sure that they took it to their real estate attorney because it was taking too long to get a hold of a telecom attorney. Their real estate attorney gave them feedback that would have put them in violation of the law all across the board. They said, you need to do this, this, and this. No, 
prior to 2007, that would have been legal. Today, it gets you in trouble. And so they just didn't know. And it's not the real estate attorney's fault. It's just not especially. So there's aspects where we say, look, before you just give it to your attorney to look at, let us talk to them first. Let's work through what's going on so they have basic understanding because there's a number of things in the agreements that will normally really frustrate and upset and concern real estate attorneys, but they don't recognize the language, the stuff that's in there is because of the telecom provider's obligations under FCC law. So if it comes down to them getting their license pulled from the FCC and no longer being able to broadcast in that market or telling you no on the building because you want to change a certain line, guess what? You're not getting service. So if you don't understand where those pit holes are on the front end, it creates a lot of heartburn. So what am I not asking that I should be or any final thoughts for our audience? What do we need to know? I think the biggest thing is that these agreements are ones that you rarely have to deal with. However, just because you rarely have to deal with them, do not believe that they are irrelevant because they can be really damaging. A lot of the internet providers, all they provide is internet. That is not being regulated by the FCC right now. And the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. If you want to get a ham radio license, you got to get an FCC approval. There's a lot of the internet providers that are putting out contracts and they're the big names. You can see them real easy. I'm not going to use them here, but everyone knows them. If you look at their agreements, their definitions don't match the FCC definitions. So people are saying, my residents want this. Let's just put it in. It is absolutely a lawsuit waiting to happen because their agreements conflict with all the other providers. And when that happens, now the owner is the only one in trouble. If you've given rights to certain wiring in your building, for instance, frequently owners are saying, well, we own the wiring. And that's not the way the FCC defines things. So it's not really as clear cut as you may think. But if you've got saying, no, we've given this right to the wiring to two different billion dollar companies, who's going to lose when one of them really wants access to those wires? the owner. They're not going to fight each other. You've got billion dollar companies with a lot of money that like doing lawsuits and you're going to lose. So there's a lot of things that are deeper in the level to understand. Don't just presume it's a simple agreement. There's some real validity there to saying, let's make sure we step back, step back. Let's look at it entirely and make sure we get it right so that we are in position for whatever future holds. During the pandemic, there was a lot of buildings that could not get enough service. Everyone's working from home. There's a lot of buildings that did not have adequate service to the internet. Is that likely to happen again in the future? I don't know. But as a building owner, I want to make sure my building's ready for it. It does. This is how you handle that on the front end instead of hoping to solve it later. So if people have further questions or want to speak with you or review these contracts that they might not even know that they have, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best way is going to be email. And we've got our website, which is ccngpro.com. So Charlie, Charlie, Nancy, Golf, Papa, Romeo, Oscar.com. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> and then my email is mweaver. So M 
W-E-A-V as in Victor E-R at Charlie, Charlie, Nancy, Golf, Papa, Romeo, Oscar.com. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, great. And we'll link in our show notes to that as well. Listen, Mark, thank you so much for spending the time. That was really informative and I appreciate you being here today. Yeah. It's good seeing you again. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy talking. Yeah, absolutely. All right, listeners, I sure appreciate you tuning in today. And I'd ask you to please subscribe and share this episode. If you know anyone that is building a healthy organization in multifamily, we will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Multifamily Women podcast. To register for the upcoming Multifamily Women Summit, be a guest on this podcast, or join the Women's Leadership Series, visit multifamilywomen.com.